Please listen carefully. Paul Fields. And I'm Dave Guzman. Welcome to Practical Bass, where each week we pick a topic of interest to you, the working bass player, and we sort of take it apart, look at it from a lot of different angles, and try and expose some of the pitfalls and give you some tips to help you elevate your gigs and gear. Uh, We want you to be part of the conversation. Uh, It's not just about us talking to you. We really want to hear from our listeners, so do get in touch with us. There are many ways to do that. You can email us at podcast at practicalbase.com, or you can visit the website at practicalbase.com and leave us a comment in the feedback area. We also have a Facebook page and group, and you are welcome to come by there and join up. We'd love to hear from you there. Start a discussion, join a discussion, talk to fellow bass players, about the practical aspects of being a working bassist. You'll also find us on Instagram, on Twitter, Google+, pretty much all the socials. What are we going to talk about this time out? Yeah, I think today we're going to dive into the very practical world of contractual agreements. Oh, contracts. Contracts. It's just, it's a heavy word. Contracts. For your soul. (laughs) (laughs) For ever. (laughs) Sometimes they do feel that way. Yeah. The contract issue is, is tricky. Like we were talking Mm -hmm. about this before we started recording. And, you know, one of the things that I thought to myself in, you know, trying to write some notes and gather thoughts about this is, you know, not to, not to try and overstep my own experience. Um, I've not yet been involved in a, tour or a group at the level where you end up signing like a whole sheaf of agreements mm-hmm. for, you know, for marketing, for promotional, for, you know, the, the, a venue chain, right. The kind of things that you're going to see for, you know, really yeah. large scale tours. You know, I haven't operated at that level. I'm sure there are a lot of our listeners who have not as well. Um, you know, so, you know, from my end sort of thinking about this at, like the local and mid-level yeah. the kind of thing where you have a, you know, a one-off gig or you might have a recurring gig at a, you know, certain kind of venue that's maybe, you know, more on the, I don't know, 100 to 500 mm-hmm. person type audience. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, because at the end of the day, this is contracts. It, it is a legal topic. And, you know, I think the more money that's involved, the, you know, in the more situations that you're going to find contracts that are there. So, for the most part, I think, you know, we're just going to tackle this kind of at the, the, the weekend warrior level, kind of like we do everything yeah. else. Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> and I think, you know, another good point, and I think you kind of were, were alluding to this is that, you know, Dave and I aren't attorneys, obviously, because, you know, if we were, we'd have a lot more money to sink into, <laughs> you know, our equipment. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> um, we would have a legal podcast. Right, exactly. That would be a great podcast, man. If there oh, yeah. are some entertainment attorneys out there, have them do a oh, podcast. Yeah. But, you know, on the other hand, why give it away for free, right? You're, right. You're getting paid to to do that stuff. Right, for bathroom breaks and everything. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, whatever you can charge to the client is good, right? <laughs> um, but, yeah, Dave and I aren't attorneys, so, you know, we're not going to give any anything that you guys should construe as legal advice. And with that out of the way, we're just going to talk about this from the performer's point of view. Yeah. Um, Dave, have you ever had the issue of a contract sink a gig, right? Because mm-hmm. like not every place is going to do contracts. Have you ever had 
like a time where, you know, you're looking for a contract or whatever and bringing it up, like torpedoed the gig. Yeah. I, I definitely had one, one situation where a venue just wouldn't accept the contract that we had to offer. And we, and we needed it because we felt sort of unsure yeah, about it, payment. You were like insecure about the vet. Like, was it someone you haven't, you hadn't dealt with before or. It was, it was a venue that, that had a reputation and oh. we had some like verbal pieces that kind of went sideways. So I decided to put together a contract. They wouldn't accept it. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, the, it, the gig just never happened. Yeah. Yeah. In other words, this place might've been the kind of venue where they like to do cash under the table or whatever. Sure. And, and suddenly the idea that there's a contract with terms like spooked them. Right. Right. Yeah. And normally I don't try to push that on and like, I don't take that angle, but if there is a reason to, then I'm, you know, I'm going to do it. And and if they turn away, then that's, it's probably all for the better. Anyways, yeah. have have you ever had a similar situation or anything, you know, that, that impeded that? Yeah. Yeah. I, and it was similar to yours. I mean, mm-hmm. um, it, this was a, a kind of an established place. And mm-hmm. again, it was, there was a reputation of, you know, coming to them afterwards and having the outcome be different than what you signed up for. Yeah. Right now I understand. And, you know, I'm fully on board with, uh, venues that, want a certain you know they want the band to do a certain amount of promotion they want right. you to get people in there yeah I'm, i am highly in agreement with that right if you can't yeah. do your job as as a band you know why would any sort of venue want want to hire totally. you on or, or bring you back on the other hand uh you know i was in a situation with a, a group of folks and it was it was actually kind of a good ways out of town for us. And mm-hmm. I mean, like on the order of like 120 miles away. Okay. Yeah. So it's not like we had a lot of friends, you know, or family or whatever, you know, right. just like local people to just fill it in. We were kind of going outside our comfort zone. And and this is always, you know, it's always a hanky thing to do when you're a, when you're a young band. This was, yep. you know, wasn't when I was younger as well. Um, you know, you really have to conquer your area before you get out there. And right. we were a little, we were a little maybe overambitious. Right. And we're going to this faraway place and you know, we had a verbal agreement on what our guarantee was. Right. Right. With a, you know, a difference that would kick in if we were able to bring a certain amount of people there. Right. 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 I had found (laughs) out from other people that the guarantee often changed after the gig was over. Sure. Yeah. Right. So, right. Yeah. So that was when I tried to send in a contract and yeah, the, the manager of the place that I was talking to really like, not just, you know, spooked, but like really took offense to it. Right. I got the feeling that I may have not been the first person that week to do that. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that didn't, yeah. Um, (laughs) yeah, that didn't go over great, but you know, the, the thing is we ended up you know, I, I was a, a different kind of business person back then. We ended up sure. taking the gig and um and we ended up actually getting quite a lot of people there and and that was great, but we didn't get any calls back to that place, even after having a really good night there. And right. I think that the the contract may have been, you know, that may have been the right thing that sealed the deal on that, which is, you know, was too bad. Yeah. Yeah. Which and and there was something in there that that just made me think, you know. 
when we talk about contracts, part of it is, you know, look, a, a verbal contract is a contract. Yeah. Right. You can't take that off the plate. Like we, when we think of contracts, we think of like the actual paper document. Mm -hmm. Technically, you know, a verbal contract is a, or an email or whatever that communication yeah. is. Those are just really um, kind of rough sketches, you know? So when I think about like, if there were situations where maybe a contract went sideways, where maybe the other party didn't, didn't follow through with it. Right. I don't, you know, that's pretty much on lock. Like that's the beauty of having a paper contract is that it does stay, but the ones that go wrong are typically because they were like verbal contracts because they were email maybe yeah. or, or the, the, or the text communication. Right. Every, everybody is kind of having a different kind of communication or a different kind of conversation. Totally. Oh, now I get the Facebook messenger yeah. stuff too. Yeah. And, and when you don't, you know, if you're having that in several different venues, mm -hmm. if you don't kind of seal the deal in terms of being very, very straight about what right. you expect and, uh, you know, what, what exactly is, is supposed to happen. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's when it can get pretty difficult later to try and figure out, well, I thought the agreement was X. Yeah. Clearly the manager thought the agreement was Y, right? Which is a terrible situation to be in. Totally. Because everyone's going to assume to the benefit of themselves. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and that's really the only time that I, I've, I've had contracts go south. Have, have you ever had like an actual paper contract kind of not turn out the way you expected? I've never had a paper contract turn mm -hmm. out that way, like a, right. a real signed agreement. Right. Never have had a problem with those. Mm -hmm. um, you always had the, you know, payment was as expected. Yep. You know, everybody knew what we were doing, didn't get any problems on site, like, oh, that set wasn't long enough, or when are you guys coming right. off break, or, you know, it, it's, those tend to be very by the numbers. So, yep. Never had a problem with those. Yeah. It's, you know, otherwise has been the issue. Have you, have you ever had any kind of contract, like verbal, anything mm -hmm. not honored by the other party? Yeah. The, honestly, the only time would have been on, on some verbal situations. Like I've, I've definitely had, you know, venues not, um, like maybe timing is different. You know, they expected a longer set or shorter set. Um, I've had situations where pay, like I've had some mm -hmm. bad pay situations, right? Mm -hmm. And we've all had those experiences where they they give you one promise, and then there's on the back end when it's chaotic and it's come and it comes time to collecting a check from somebody. Yeah, you don't know who you find that person, and you know then they're having the discuss. They don't. They're not the decision maker, and they just have a check that's pre written out, not for the right amount yeah. or whatever, right? Yeah. All these different things, you know, yeah. and all of that is always with verbal, you know, it's always a verbal contract. Right, right. Actually, in the, you know, the verbal contract, like you say, that's really the, the thing that you have to be, you have to convert it at some point mm -hmm. into writing, even if it's just that email or something like that yep. to confirm the terms. Right. I'm sure that legally, you know, these different kinds of contracts have different standards of enforceability or different expectations. Again, I'm not a lawyer, but yeah. my bet is that if you have an email agreement, yeah. that's going to mean a little more than, you know, a he said, she said, right? right? If you have an email, it's very clear what was agreed to. That may or may not have yeah. a better level of enforceability. Right. 
And of course, enforceability and, means something, right? It's like, that's assuming that you're going to do something about it if you feel like you've been slighted. And really, if it yeah. if you don't, then it doesn't really matter. Right. And because again, you know, at, at the level that we're looking at it, there's never going to be, you know, I would never find myself in a situation where I'm, you know, hiring an attorney, right. To defend a contract. One would that hope was not, right. But I'm sure uh, it depends on the amount of money the uh, contract's yeah, maybe, for, right? Maybe. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. You're talking about a $300 gig or something like that, or a $500 gig. Yeah. It's a lot different than a five or $10,000 gig. Oh right? yeah, 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 yeah. I'll have my attorneys on that one. Yeah. <laughs> your, your team of my attorneys. team. Oh my, yeah. There's plural. The crack team of Dewey Cheetah and how yeah <laughs> they may or may not be licensed but they're definitely right. attorneys and they're yeah they're like pit bulls right well yeah. you know and, and but i think at the end of the day the purpose of it like for me the, the purpose of all this is just it's just a way to communicate yeah that's yeah. it it cleans up the communication the, the better the better the documentation of that communication the less you know the 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 less, you know, the, the less a chance for things to go sideways. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, the verbal ones seem to be the ones that always kind of have yeah. caught me up. And and I would say more often than not, you know, managers in places, you know, at venues that are working right. constantly and securing terms for different, you know, from different suppliers, right? A band is just a supplier of entertainment. Yeah. Right. They're dealing right. with suppliers for you know, food for mm -hmm. beverages, for, you know, all the paraphernalia that yeah. go into running a restaurant or a bar or whatever kind of venue they're running. Right. And they're used to dealing with that stuff. And I, I tend not to have mm -hmm. as many issues with them. The ones that seem to fall through more for me are agreements with other talent. Like somebody is bringing uh, me in as, right. Yeah, this it's never happened. Like for example, when I sub in for your for your group, never been an issue. Right. Ever. Right. There are plenty of people it's never been an issue. But there are people that I've worked for where I've come in to do an agreed on job and not, you know, that falls through. Like suddenly, oh, kind of forgotten when pay right. you know, when the pay comes around, like you don't ever hear back. And that's yeah, that can be painful. So I know people who, you know, they'll counteract that by getting paid up front like uh -huh. when they show up. Right. Yeah. And, and I, and, and I can always tell a difference. Like when I work with subs that, uh, that do sub a lot, they're very specific on, on, on the payment process, the time that they need to be there. They're asking all those questions right. to iron it out and it's all on either text or email, whatever way they communicate. And it's because usually yeah. any of these situations, because people have been burned in the past, right? That's right. That's, that's right. That's what creates these, you know, processes and hey you know here's a little a little shout back right if people are interested in that idea of like how you know how you can be a better sub and kind of set expectations properly and deliver on them mm -hmm. you know check our back catalog our archives on practical base and we had an episode that was all about like finding a sub and yep. how you should behave as a sub i think we had a couple episodes on that yeah um, so definitely go back and, and check those. We'll try and link them in the, in the show notes also. So, yeah. yeah. And there's an, there's, uh, another episode too, that we did about, um, about actual payments, like yeah, asking for pay. money. Yeah. All about pay. Yeah. Exactly. So, so when you're dealing with a contract situation, how, yeah. how, what do you look for in, in a contract that you're going to be a party to? Yeah. So for what I'm looking at when, you know, when I'm, either if I'm creating a contract or if I'm looking at a contract that's being presented to me, 
I'm just, you know, in general, I'm just looking for it to, to spell out all of the expectations from both parties. I want to know exactly what they expect of us. I want to know, you know, what their expectations are, are is for the, you know, the other side of the contract for them, you know, to fulfill to us. Right. Right. Everything from like, do we get food? You know, do, uh, is there a parking situation? Is there, you know, what time do they want us to be there before if it's an event or whatever? I want all of those line items kind of spelled out. And it's really just a way to help manage the conversation. Mm -hmm. Because if you, you know, if you ever talk to somebody that's like coordinating an event or someone that's managing one of these, you know, a show, and you just start having a conversation, you start asking a lot of questions and maybe you're getting through a full list, maybe you're not. And the contract helps really work through all of those details. Like if that contract has like blank spaces mm -hmm. for here's how long the performance yes. time is, here's how long the breaks are, you know, of course the pay yeah. is an element of that, but you know, then also like how much time ahead do you need to be there yeah. set up when all those things are kind of blank, it's a way of, you know, not walking in and saying, this right. is what we're going to do, but here are the things that you and I need to decide yeah, we want the the gig to be right. Yeah, you, you have room to talk about it. It's a discussion, exactly. And but then once you fill it out, you've got an agreement, right? Totally. I have a um, sort of you know, I guess like recently, this was uh, two to three weeks ago. Uh, we had a, a gig that was booked for a wedding. It was one of those we just didn't quite see coming, and then the yeah, I think it was like the mother of the bride started like hitting up one of my bandmates and he just forwarded the email to me because I think he was just looking for my like help. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because the woman was kind of showing a bit of edginess, right? Which is normal with wedding gigs. That's because yeah, there's so much going on. It's yeah. all emotion. I mean, you know, if yeah. you're into the wedding gig thing, you just, you know, go yes. with caution. You got to know what you're getting into. <laughs> High emotions. Step carefully. Yeah. And I, I spoke with the woman and, uh, I, like I took her from like a level 10 on her like hot level. Yeah. All the way down to like a one. Yeah. And it's just because I said, look, I have a contract and it's not, you know, it's not to, you know, it is a binding contract, but it's just to help walk through all, all these pieces, all these questions that you have along with a questionnaire, like a wedding questionnaire that I have. I emailed it to her and it was just like, she was like, this is exactly what I need. Just need to know that everything is going to be cool. Right. Right. And it's because it, it helps, they don't, she wouldn't know like what to expect, like what questions to ask. So that creates anxiety. Yeah. And she would have seen questions on that list that, oh my gosh, yeah, this is really important, but I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Thank goodness that we're going to talk about it. So I'm not going to get a surprise. Like she doesn't have to now remember 20 things to ask right. that are going to come to her one at a time over yep. the next, you know, month or two. Right. And nor do I. Right. Yeah. And, um, and, you. and just as a, uh, kind of a, a pointer with this stuff too, if you happen, if, if you're not booked with like an agency, which, uh, you know, we're, I, I don't work with an agency, but if you're, but if you know someone that does work with an agency or someone that does do a lot of these like contractual gigs, hit them up. They'll give you, a lot of them will give you a copy of the contracts that they use. You know, yeah. I don't know if it's like kosher or not, but it's something, you know, that's pretty much where I get a lot of my stuff because you're not going to always yeah. find it on on the Google machine. Right. That's exactly right. Yeah. And I, you know, I right now am not, but in the past have worked a lot with a couple agencies mm -hmm. around town, around well, around the D.C. area. Right. And, you know, I know that they deal in contracts for this stuff because right. 
those agencies are taking a part of the commission. So for them also, it's very important that they know what the terms right. are because that's going to help them just, you know, discover their cash flow yep. over the next quarter or whatever, however yeah. many months they're relying on that in order to understand how their business is going. That is their business. Right. 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 So they're kind of taking that load off you. But then on the flip side, you don't really have to worry about negotiating the contract as much as just fulfilling your side of it. That's right. Right. And that's kind of the thing that they relieve you of. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They're, you know, they're relying on known, you know, known information to do their side of the contract. Work. Right. Exactly. Um, so when, when yeah. you did a lot of contract work then like in the past, what, what were, what were pieces within the contract that you like, that you would look out for that were important to you? Um, I mean, you, you really mentioned a lot of high points. So for me, I was just trying to find, when I was thinking about this, trying to find information around the edges that maybe doesn't occur mm -hmm. off the bat to a listener. Um, something like a cancellation clause. Mm. What happens if everybody in the band is planning on a gig and then the week before your gig, the venue cancels, right? right. This actually happened to me last year mm -hmm. um, at a local place and, and it's a pretty well-known place and they mm -hmm. actually pay pretty well and they canceled mm -hmm. uh, on us literally a week before the gig. And it, you know, that was not, that's not nearly enough time to go find a place where we could rebook. Now, if that, yeah. if that happened three or four months ahead, that's not that big a deal. I could probably find a way to get a gig to fill that in and I might not engage like a cancellation clause thing. But because of that, you know, I really, you know, I had to kind of prevail on these folks to come mm -hmm. through with a, you know, a cancellation payment. I really think that's something important to have. Like, you know, what if the venue yeah. burns down you right. know, a week before the the gig or something like that? Um, yeah. Or even, you know, silly things like they double booked Right. And, more importantly tell yeah you, you know? right where it was like negligence you know <laughs> yeah. because and you have to be flexible like some places yeah. you know that like if it's a place that's going to get rained out right if it's an yeah. outdoor venue and it just gets rained out you just have to decide what's fair yeah and what kind of relationship you have with that venue yeah you know maybe you want to let maybe you're you're open to like letting it slide or maybe a 50 percent payment or whatever it is but at least have the dialogue and have it documented yeah also if you're like just what you're saying like if you have subs right that you're pulling in for that for a certain gig and they're they're you know expecting a certain pay now all of a sudden you have a train of like that's right sort of this chain of you know different of different people that are getting paid and you want to make sure that right you're not going to like that they're not going to be screwed yeah and that you're not going to end up you know kind of in the hole because right. of what happened yeah. right and that's that's really what those that's are a good about point. yeah you know and at the same time you know i'm i guess i'm not saying that you know, it's a major point of a contract to try and make the venue pay no matter what, because that clearly won't fly. Right. So for example, in the, the, the rain date, uh, or the rain rained yep. out problem, um, if it's an outdoor venue where they were going to make all their money from people showing up and they get rained out, there's not going to be money to pay out everybody. Right. And so you have to be aware of that. Sometimes you really just have to be prepared to you know, you're going to, you're just going to take it on the chin and there's nothing yeah, you can do about right. it. Typically an event like that though, the great thing about it is you're not going to be coming in responsible for like the sound and the tech and the light and stuff like that. You're, right. You know, it's really just showing up and doing, doing the gig and, and, and the, you know, the, the, 
the promoter or the, you know, the event mm-hmm. staff is going to, they're going to have to deal with, with each of those suppliers on their own. So I'm not saying that, yeah. you know, every cancellation means, Hey, a contract is there to make sure you get paid. Like there's, there's no such thing as a free lunch. Right. And, yeah. and if you were to try and jam a cancellation clause that was pretty unfair down a venue's throat, I would say you could count on not getting a call back after that. Totally. Anything else. So, you know. Right. That's where you have to read the softly. relationship. Yeah. Walk softly yeah. And, and just know, you know, know what it is that you really need. Right. As opposed to what you really want. Right. Right. So a couple other things I guess I look for. Um, things like, you know, some clause that says there's going to be sufficient power on site or, or yeah. it doesn't need to tell you the power situation but it has to say something to the effect of you know the venue is going to have it right right you're you don't show up and find out that you needed to bring like two truck sized generators with you or something like right that. um you know that there's a space to play in um that they're responsible for uh you know not not putting you in an unsafe situation right things like that um you know we talked about the time and you know break time and play time yep. um Sometimes if it's, you know, if it's not a typical venue, the, the, the venue or the, the manager or organizer, they may have a demand for a certain kind of attire, right? Like a wedding gig, right? Like you guys did. Yep. I would not be surprised to see the wedding, you know, that, that checklist of things saying, what do you want the band to wear? Right. Cause right. they're going to show up wearing shorts and flip flops and everybody's right. in tuxedos. Or right. Whatever could look really terrible. Yeah, not good. Not good. I mean, maybe you could get away with that if you're literally Jimmy Buffett showing up to right. a wedding. But unless you're him, right? It's not going right. to Or, you know, you can show up as Keith Richards and, you know, you wear whatever the, you know, what right. you want because you're Keith Richards. <laughs> which in, in that sense- So like, that's two people. Why are you doing a wedding? Right, and why Richards? are you listening to this podcast? Right, exactly. <laughs> Keith, stop <laughs> bothering us. Seriously. <laughs> Stop calling. I blocked your number. <laughs> Retirement's looking rough for you, man. <laughs> He's like, well, fine then. <laughs> but yeah, um, you know, and there are other, you know, I guess there are probably other things that are interesting to know based on where it is, like uh, recordings and merch. Like, can you sell that yeah. stuff at the venue? Some places don't allow it. Uh, and it's good to know that up front. Right. And a contract can help you with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just knowing that you're allowed to sell like your t-shirts, you're allowed to hawk your, you know, your CDs or whatever. Yeah. Um, I actually did play a place one time that was, it was kind of this, it, it, it's a, it was a, you know, an individually or whatever family owned place, but they were kind of like a big deal in the town that we played in. Yeah. And they had like their own garb like people would come and tourists would buy their t-shirts and stuff there sure right we weren't allowed to sell t-shirts at that venue because (laughs) we were competing with the venue and at that point you were taking up their t-shirt dollars yeah yeah so what they did tell us is you know you could put them at the at the front with their t-shirts and they would take a cut out of them but they would allow you wow to you know to sell through them huh yeah it was interesting so you know knowing those things like how you know how you're going to recognize income and is there anything in the contract that, you know, allows or prevents that. Right. Yeah. yeah. So what about, um, so we talked a lot about gigs, like this has been mm-hmm. all about gig contracts. Right. Are, are there other situations that you can think of where you would want some sort of written agreement or contract? Yeah, I think so. There's, 
you know, there, there's contracts all over the music industry, right? And the music, like different aspects of it. Um, you know, I, I guess just like one of them to, to think about that I've kind of run into is if you have like um, an agent that's booking you, right? Like even a local booking agent yeah. or, a, you know, sort of like a band manager. I had uh, someone propose to us um, to manage our band at one point and and it got hairy really quick yeah. because there was no contract, right? Yeah. It was just sort of verbal stuff. And then all of a sudden I started to feel like this slipperiness under my feet, you know, just a lot of kind of what we need to put in, but no promises. Like it was all about how much they were going to get paid. Yeah. But there was very little commitment as to what they were going to bring to the table as yeah. a like band you, manager. What's your skin in the game here? Right. Like, yeah. oh, wait a second. Are you just taxing me to play music? Right. Right. Um, and, and I don't think this person like went in it with bad intentions. I just think they didn't want to commit. Yeah. Like yeah. they didn't want to be on the hook for like, you know, whatever, certain amount of booking or whatever the case Works. is. Work. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that that's happens. one. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what, I mean, there's so many, what have, have you come into contact of other, other types of contracts? Um, you know, a few things come to mind. I mean, as far as what I've, like I personally, um, dealt with, you know, the, the thing that I've, I've looked into a little bit is, you know, publishing and songwriting. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not an expert on that by, by any means, but that's something that I think it's important when you start talking about a band that is, you know, you're writing, you're recording your own music, you right. know, you're selling it at gigs, you are, you know, you know, you're, you're essentially, you're publishing that stuff, right? right? I mean, if you're smart, then you are, you know, you're, you're probably a member of one of the, you know, one of the large musical organizations like an ASCAP or something right. like that. And then you have to think about you know, who wrote these songs? Did everybody write it equally or right. did somebody bring the song in? And then it was a, you know, people pitched in a little bit of arrangement around it. Right. Those are, those are different situations. Mm -hmm. And even as a young band, um, you know, I don't mean, you know, necessarily young members, but as a, as a band that is early in what it's doing, mm -hmm. you know, and as a bass player, you want to think about that because, you know, if you're not bringing the song in, but yet you're contributing to what's going into that song, then, you know, you want to be recognized for that. And it sounds far-fetched probably for people who are operating at this sort of local or regional level. But remember all the bands that, you know, that are famous or whatever started out at that level, right? At some point right. they made that jump. And if yeah. you're good at what you're doing, you know, you want to plan for those later, you know, those later chances of success. And one yeah. of the ways not to have a, one of those arguments or a, a breakup in the band, uh, you know, as you make that transition is for everybody to have a good agreement on the professional side of it, of yeah. who wrote the songs, what percentage of it belongs to each person yeah, and so on and so forth. Yeah. That is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. it that is in, in my in my estimation, that is probably a major cause of friction for mm -hmm. bands that are on their way up and end up kind of like, oh, there was a falling out with so-and-so. My bet is that, you know, a lot of those things, well, I mean, sometimes they're going to be personal, but sometimes sure. they're going to be based on the fact that you don't have a good, everyone does not have an equal understanding of mm -hmm. how the business is going to work. And then again, it's because you had a mismatch of expectations, that's what actually ruined 
you know, the relationship. Yeah. And because if you look at the environment of a, of a, you know, a group of musicians sort of work environment, right? Like what that looks like. Yeah. It's very heavily weighted on like getting together, right? Like sort of bonding at a personal level. Right. And then also music. The professional side is like, it's a level of conversation that is not always- People don't always have it. They don't have it. And it's, it makes- it makes people uncomfortable, I think, sometimes. Yeah, because they feel like, oh, that's the that's the place where the art and commerce kind of like butt heads. Right. And the thing is, if you want to get to that next level, you really have to be able to, you have to be able to look at both of those as contributing to, you know, the music yeah. business. Because, I mean, that's why they call it music that's business, right. not music friends. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, yeah I mean, that's a couple areas. Um, you know, recording studio agreements um you know i have seen those mm -hmm. and basically they're like releases almost where right. you know a guy comes in to work on a uh, a recording and if that if that is really about going in and just playing an assigned part right you know you're not going to really expect to reap any reward out of that other than whatever you get paid for the date and you typically right. sign some paperwork about that sometimes people come in and they create in the studio and that's very different that's like you would write a song anywhere else you just yeah. happen to be doing it in a studio and paying lots of money to do it <laughs> right right <laughs> but yeah and you mentioned the band yeah. managers i mean what about i mean what about labels i mean let's forget about yeah. let's forget about major labels because there's about a million things on the right internet about what that can mean pro and con but what about like indie labels yeah i think there's you know look on 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 the internet there's just so much out there um and it's sometimes difficult to tell who's actually a label. Like, what are they actually going to perform for you? What are they going to do for you? Or, or in essence, are they just basically in some super fine print yeah. owning your music yeah. and not giving you, you know, any sort of flip side? Because it right. could just be one guy behind like a, a really nice polished website. Yeah. I mean, you can pay somebody a few hundred bucks and get a really nice website, right? right. Anybody can do that. Like it's like yep. having a nice business card. Totally. You just need a, you know, an elegant design and yeah. The barrier know, to entry is very suit. low. Yeah. <laughs> very low barrier to entry. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So yeah, I mean, it, it pays to, to look through that stuff. If, and I would say, you know, again, just to kind of mm -hmm. wrap things back around to our, our beginning statement, you know, we're not attorneys, but I would say if you get to a point where you're really serious about the business and you've got somebody who is claiming to be able to give you a service and yeah. it's going to cost you a substantial amount of money over time, yeah, that's the point where you really, if you don't have one, you should have an attorney at that point. You want, you need to s secure some legal representation and, and, or, a business agent of your own, like, and have somebody look over that who knows what the terms are going to mean and can ask you the questions yeah. about what your expectations are to help you decide whether that's a good deal or a bad deal. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you, um, you know, if you're, if you're being presented a contract or there's some fine print in something, you know, as, as you're expanding and you're just not totally sure about it, because the thing about a lot of contracts is there is a lot of legal verbiage, which is not really English. Yeah. It's English, but it's, it's English, it's but a, it has a specific meaning. Yeah. It's like a very, yeah. it's like a coded form of, of English. Yeah. And so, um, you know what, just ask somebody that, you know, a friend, a friend of the family, a family, somebody that just deals in a legal environment 
And you can have them, you know, if it's something basic, have them read over it, buy them a six pack. Just to get started. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just so that at least you understand, you know, or they might be able to point out, they won't give you advice, but they'll say, this is like an area that you should really think of. This seems like heavy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like there seems to like be some ties in here. If you haven't determined by that point, like looking at the language, like I don't get it, show it to right. somebody else. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I don't get it either. Like that's a good sign. Totally. You really need an expert to exactly. get at that point. Well, that seems like a good place to wrap up for this episode. Um, I hope you guys have enjoyed listening a little bit about contracts and agreements and, and maybe how to deal with them. We'd really be interested in hearing from you guys out in the listening audience. What contracts have you dealt with? What agreements have you dealt with that have been really beneficial for you or have caused you a lot of pain? What was an, uh, what was an adventure that you had <laughs> with agreements that went, you know, that went south? Adventure. Yeah, we, that, that was a kind <laughs> way of putting it, right? Yeah, we would love to hear about that. You can get in touch with us very easily. Um, you can email us at podcast at practicalbase.com or visit the website practicalbase.com and leave us feedback. But it's also really easy to go to our Facebook page or our group, and you can start a conversation there. We would love to have you guys along for the ride um, and assemble a community around this podcast. Uh, a community of working bassists, I think, is a group of probably the most supportive kind of people I can imagine. So we're really aiming for that. Um, and and if you want to help be supportive of this podcast, one thing we would like you to do is share it with your friends, share it with your colleagues. Uh, when you see a notice come up for the new episodes, you know, let people know, spread the word. Um, we really are hoping to give something back to the musical community here, and uh, we'd love to have you guys along for the ride. Um, subscribing to the podcast is really easy. You can visit the website for tips, but it really boils down to this. If you have an iPhone, just use the podcasts app. If you have an Android device of any kind, use Google Play Music. You can use Stitcher Radio on any platform. You can use iTunes on your Mac. Just search for Practical Bass and you'll see our podcast will come up. Use the subscribe button or the subscribe link and you're going to get a new episode delivered fresh to you each week full of whatever latest topics come from not just me and Dave, but also from our listeners. We invite you to send us topics that you're interested in. And we would love to cover those in podcasts uh, coming up in the future. And uh, yeah, so subscribe and share and uh, spread the Practical Bass love. And until next time, I'm Paul Freelds. I'm Dave Guzman. This has been Practical Bass. Thanks for listening. My mom told me if 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 you Google it, you could trust it. <laughs> so that's what I live by. <laughs> this I don't even need to read the contract. It it came from Google. It, it must be good. <laughs> I googled it. I googled it. <laughs> it's been googleated. <laughs> Googleized. Oh man. And Google just paid us 10 cents. Thank you. <laughs> Ching! <laughs> <laughs>